G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I was walking down a place called Dahab in the Sinai Peninsula, and it was the night before my 33rd birthday. And I look up, and I'm kicking up the waves, and this guy's coming down on the side of the beach facing me, and he's kicking up the waves too. And I sort of nod to him. He looks up at me and smiles and says, you can run, but you can't hide. And I just kept going. I think, what was that about? And I turned around, and he wasn't there anymore. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard DK Locke share her amazing story of how God helped her overcome her struggle with dyslexia to go on to be tremendously successful in creating Christian theatrical productions and is now a creative arts pastor. Today we turn our focus to her brother, Dale Kane, who will share his story and how God helped him overcome his lifelong struggle of feeling he wasn't good enough and that he wasn't acceptable to God. Even after becoming a pastor, he struggled with what he called imposter syndrome, a feeling that he was a fake. We'll hear how God works in his life in this and other areas as Dale shares his story with us today. Once again, Dale Cocaine and his sister Dee Kaylock are having a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program, Dale Cocaine and Dee Kaylock. Welcome back. Well, glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Glad to have you on once again. We mainly focused in the past on Dee's story, that wonderful way that God healed you and helped you overcome dyslexia to go on to do some wonderful creative things for the Lord. And now, as we heard, you're a pastor, just serving the Lord using your gifts. Now let's swing back to you, Dale. Brother Dale. Brother Dale, yes. Brother Dale, let's find out how the Lord's been working in your life. We heard how the two of you grew up in a tent for a while on the farm. Very colorful home life there because your dad did some interesting things. It was colorful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now let's find out a little bit about your story. You became a Christian at 15 years old, you said. You yeah. went to a Billy Graham crusade? Went to Billy Graham crusade at the MCG. Mm-hmm. Uh, went forward there with my girlfriend. Um, she actually ended up being an Anglican minister. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I walked away from the Lord when I was going through university, uh, and I, I did a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. Now, Dee, at six years old, came to the Lord, and you were, like, tight with the Lord from there on. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying your story's a little bit different. Yeah, I, I carried some residual guilt. Uh, my grandmother on my dad's side, again, Christmas Easter Catholic, mm-hmm. and I remember taking him into the upstairs bedroom in their house in Footscray, and there was a picture of Jesus of the Bleeding Heart, on mm-hmm. the wall, you know, the nails mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. thorns. Yep. And she says, now, can you see that there, son? Can you see that there? And I get, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. She goes, you did that to the Lord. Really? Yeah. That's pretty traumatic for a little kid. Well, it was. I, was, I never even met him. I, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't there. And I had a, I had a really strong guilt. Mm. Uh, I'm not worthy. Uh, I, I need to be better. I need to mm. do more. Uh, and that didn't serve me well at all. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then, so I, I did a lot of traveling. Um, so when you thought about Jesus, you're thinking guilt. And that didn't change until 
years after I've been working in churches. Uh, I went back to Bible college. I went to Bible college. I left. Uh, Why did you come back to the Lord? I got to a stage where it was just so empty. Uh, I was working as a bouncer in a pub, and I've done that in different countries around the world. Um, I had pretty much everything I wanted, but it just didn't satisfy me. Mm-hmm. And I knew mum had been proud for me, and mm-hmm. I, I knew that uh, that was an option. I think I'd saved it up to make it as a last stand. You know, if, if I try this and it doesn't work for me, I'm going to, I don't know. If all else fails, I'll become a Christian. Basically, that's pretty true. <laughs> and so, yeah, I did. I was just going to ask you real quick, D, what did you think of your brother going through all his kind of searching years? Or did you know him at that time? Yeah, yeah, I knew him. Were you praying for him? or? Yeah, I was just loving him, missing him. I want him to come home. You guys have a good relationship despite solid, all the solid. kind of bickering that you have, the fun? Oh, it's fun. It's not, yeah, it's just po- like po- just, yeah, just, security. Just jokes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I used to, he would, he would go away and I'd go sleep in his bedroom because the pillow smelled like him. Like I would miss him all you the time. You missed your brother that All much? the time. Wow. Yeah. And she, was in, she got into some strife over in Adelaide. And... Yeah, he came and got me out. Yeah. And you know, he, just, right? he just drove overnight and said, you're not staying here, you're not doing that. Like, yeah, any time I get Big brother into, was always help you out. He's always. always there for you. Yeah, the kid and, and I was the kid and he was the big brother. He big brother and the kid. I can just see the, uh, <laughs> the movie now. <laughs> yeah, no, so when he was away a lot, some of it I didn't know what was going on because, you know, I didn't know, need to. Yeah, I'm, you're eight years younger. So. Yeah, yeah, I was 10, he was 18, 19, and, 20. And some of the time nobody knew where I was anyway. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I was just a child around. So, yeah. he, he took his pilgrimage. Hmm. Yeah, I, I pray for Probably more selfishly, just pray where you come home, hang out with us. You wanted your big brother back. Yeah, yeah. I came out of a fairly rough scene, the scene I was in. Um, How so? Uh, I was a fighter mm-hmm. um, and I rode motorbikes. Yeah, so I was like, you're a warlord. And, uh, a warlord? Well, no, I wasn't a warlord. <laughs> I just I used to get in a lot of wars. Um, no, so, yeah, and, and my mates were all bikers. Uh mm-hmm. Came back, went to a Pentecostal Bible College in uh, in Ringwood, and then when I got out of there, it was to do. They wanted me to do uh, youth pastoring at the church that I was at, but it was too white bread. So mm. I went. I went to Papua New Guinea, worked with the Rascals in Port Moresby. So you wanted to do something a little different, a little bit more adventurous. Is that kind of? Yeah. Look, when I was going through teachers' college, or even when I was going through school, the people that I naturally gravitated towards or understood best were the um, the outsiders. Hmm. So, because you view yourself a bit as an outsider, is well, that we, right? Yeah, we changed school. I'd changed school eight times. So you yeah, always a new yeah. kid in school. You're always an outsider then. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to do something more practical, and I, I knew I met a bloke called Barry Silverback. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a pastor in Port Moresby. Uh, he was a good man, um, and I went up there and I worked with them. And that but was the rascals now. Please explain what rascals means in Papua New Guinea. Oh, rascals, uh, often they're the tribesmen have come down from the from the highlands and there's no work in Port Moresby, so they just form gangs. Mm. Now, rascals sounds like a cute term. Yeah, a little rascal. Yeah, these guys weren't cute. No. No. no a very uh, serious crime. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I was there and two soldiers ran over a, a bloke one night. He was drunk and mm. coming home from the Baroque barracks and they ran over him and they killed him. Oh, wow. So the police immediately arrested him, took him back to the jailhouse, which was opposite the courthouse in the main street of Port Moresby, 
And they tried to take them across to the courthouse the next morning, and the guys didn't make it across the road. They got chopped up with axes. Oh, wow. So this is a wild west town. Yeah. Then I came back and started working at uh, what later became Care Force. I was asked to be the youth pastor up there. Brian O'Grady was the pastor there, and I knew him and his family quite well. So I worked up there for a while. Um, Brian left. Mm-hmm. and uh, Did you always like working with youth? Yeah, look, I've always had a sympathy or an aspect of wanting to work with those that are marginalised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was what I did. And I worked up there for a number of years. Uh, they had a change of pastor. Uh, the pastor that took over, he and I didn't get on terribly well. And another pastor from uh, a church asked me if I'd, they were going to set up a, a major outreach in Melbourne at the Dulles Brooks Hall. And he asked me if I'd go in and be the youth pastor there. Um, so I did. Mm-hmm. But as you may have heard with my sister, uh, we do have author- you know, issues with authority, especially mm-hmm. if the authority seems to be a bit overbearing or controlling. controlling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, controlling. And look, I mean, I don't think I would have been particularly easy to manage. control or manage. So I left that place, that, that church there, and decided to go to Israel. Um, oh, well, yeah. that's kind of a, a move out of the blue from some churches on the east side of Melbourne to well, another I, whole country after overseas. I li- after I left the, the Christian part of youth work, I uh, I was appointed as the detached street worker in Richmond and Port Melbourne. So mm-hmm. I uh, worked with the Richmond Football Club, and I was just working with the street kids mm-hmm. and taking them away, doing stuff with them in the camps and stuff like that. And the issue f- for me was that I got burnt oh. working in churches. So, so working in churches was a bad experience for you. So you wanted to just get away from that? Is that yeah, right? I did. And I started working with these street kids in Richmond, Port Melbourne, and Elfington. Uh, absolutely loved it. Had a, mm. had a wonderful time. Then I was there with them for about three years. Actually, the last two weekends I've spent with um, some of the guys there. They're parents and grandparents now. So oh, we, wow. You we've been yeah. connected for... Over thirty years, yeah, great bunch, and they actually healed part of my heart, mm. uh, and that was that was a big, big part of I think the reason I was there. You're listening to the story today. Eric Scadabo is chatting with Dale Cocaine along with his sister D Klock whose story we heard last time. Next, we'll hear more of Dale's story and how he finally overcomes his lifelong struggle of feeling he wasn't good enough. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Dale Cocaine along with his sister DK Lock. Today is part three of a three-part series chatting with Dale and Dee about their stories and how God has helped them overcome challenges in their lives. With Dee, her struggle with dyslexia caused her to mistakenly think she wasn't smart. Today, Dale is sharing the battles he's faced along his journey that have kept him from walking in victory. Next, we'll hear how God worked in his life to help him overcome. 
So you were wounded from these bad experiences in churches with overbearing, controlling, what, pastors? Or? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And, and, and not everybody that worked with them would have felt the same thing. Hmm. They just um, they just scratched where I didn't itch. Hmm. Rubbed uh, you the wrong way. Yeah, that that'd be that'd be fair. But a I little think, bit more than that, I think. I think the I think the analogy may work both sides too. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, I think I got up their nose, <laughs> uh, and I thank God for that because mm. I I went to Israel, um, and I was living uh, over in Israel, and I I don't think I would have come back from Israel. I I absolutely adored it over there. Um, what did you like about it? Oh, the danger, uh, the people, the food. Um, <laughs> Huh. Lived in a kibbutz. I, yeah, lived in a kibbutz, and I, I, I also. What, what is that for people who aren't familiar with? That? Oh, kibbutz. It's a. Um, I lived in a far left socialist kibbutz, which is a communal farm. Mm-hmm. Everything's held in common. Um, well, a commune. A commune. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there was four or five hundred people on it. Yeah. We're up on the Lebanese border, so we'd have incursions and we'd have rockets going over and we'd have oh, bombs wow. going off. Wow. Oh no! I mean. Again, I don't know whether I've got a death wish, but I absolutely I loved it. Uh, really? Yeah. You were attracted to that? I was. Now, where were you at with the Lord at this point? I, I told God that when I went on a holiday, he wasn't to come because oh. he and I weren't getting on terribly well. Um, I felt I'd let him down, and I felt he'd return the favor. I felt that he'd let me down too. Huh. Um, so, you know, how stupid am I? To go, I'm going overseas, and you're not to come with me, Lord. You and told the Lord that. Yeah, I did. And you I thought, yeah. You know, no, I told him. <laughs> he wasn't listening. And then where do I go? I go to Israel. Israel. <laughs> <laughs> How stupid is that? Yeah, you, you, you don't want God going with you, and you're going to go to Israel, the, go to Holy Israel. <laughs> Led much? I had, I, and that's I, what you're, D, you're saying that uh, that's where the Lord. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. That's how you're seeing it. Yeah, that's the, the, time, that's the fingerprints of the Father. Yeah. 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 I was walking down a place called Dahab in the Sinai Peninsula, and it was the night before my 33rd birthday. And I don't know whether this is just coincidence or whatever it is. I know what it means to me, but maybe not to others. And I'm walking down there, and I look up, and I'm kicking up the waves, and, and it's incandescent. The, the water down there, and I'm kicking up the waves, and this guy's coming down on the side of the beach facing me, and he's kicking up the waves too. And I sort of nod to him, never seen him before. Mm. He looks up at me and smiles and says, you can run, but you can't hide. Oh, wow. Yeah. You and can I, run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. And I just kept going. I think, what was that about? Yeah. Um and I turned around and he wasn't there anymore. And I don't know whether he just dipped off into the sand dunes or dived back into the water or just ascended into heaven. I don't know where he went, yeah. but he wasn't there. And the next night I spent on top of Mount Sinai, and that was my 33rd birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, massive thunderstorm, thunder and lightning. And I'm, I'm up there thinking, yeah, this part of God I get. Mm-hmm. The other stuff I don't, I don't get. What does that mean uh, if somebody says, what didn't you get? The rules and the regulations Insti- and the structures. Institutionalised yeah. religion. Yeah. Um, and things that I found where you, you weren't allowed to ask questions. Mm. And I don't think that doubt is the enemy of faith. I think mm-hmm. faith yeah. springs from doubt. Yeah. Um, and I don't think God's ever scared of a question we ask him. Mm-hmm. So my 
faith is probably more robust now. I had a I had a wonderful experience. If 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 we get to that a little bit later, I had an absolutely life changing experience later on. And I, I think you've got to have your dark night of the soul. And yes. I think you've got to. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. 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 We all have. Yeah. And I think that you've got to get real, um, and that's not always easy. Yeah. I had a wonderful healing experience. I went to work in a church in the outer east, mm-hmm. um, here in Melbourne. Uh, decent sized church, good people, uh, very strong authority, and that was absolutely anathema to me. Because yeah, so I'm seeing parallels here. D, you were brought into the very thing you didn't like, education, being a teacher, because you had all kinds of trauma in school. And I'm seeing the parallel that you didn't like authority. And I didn't like religious authority in particular. And you were brought into a place with authority. What happened? Well, I got married. Uh, that, that that changed a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, I got married. Ways, I came yeah. back. That's why I came back from Israel, to get married. And uh, I was running youth programs in the Yarra Ranges Shire, where I live, and I was the manager of training programs and, and youth development. And my wife, strong Christian, and she got pregnant. She wanted to go to church so the kids would have somewhere to grow up in. Um, I wasn't particularly enamoured with the whole thought at the time. I remember the first time they said a, a visiting, like, pastoral visit to our house. I wasn't particularly nice to the bloke they sent. Um, <laughs> but there was a pastor there who I've still got a lot of respect for. And, you know, we don't see eye to eye in anything. But I've got a lot of respect for him and I, I admire him and he's a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't found that mm-hmm. in too many of the places I was at. And he actually helped restore a lot of my angst with mm-hmm. the church. And I ended up working with him years mm-hmm. later. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, probably eight years after I went to the church. Um, so God knew exactly what you needed oh, to yeah, regain mate, he, your he, faith. He, he always has. Always. He always has. Yeah. And, and I've, I'm a reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started reading guys that actually spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And... The pastor that invited me to work with him at the church, he asked me to do some counselling. I was, I was actually employed as administrator at one stage, and which is a joke because I'm useless at administration. <laughs> and I morphed into counselling and then later on it morphed into Bible teaching. Did you have any training in counselling? Yes, I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I trained in counselling. Um, and then I started to do the Bible teaching on Sunday nights mm-hmm. at the church. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever felt this yourself, Eric, but sometimes you look at yourself as a Christian and you go, geez, I feel like a fake. Hmm. You know? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. And I'm sitting, right? sitting outside one night with God. What does that look like? What, sitting outside with God? Well, feeling like you're an imposter. Oh, it's, yeah, you have this massive pity party and you go, I'm not worthy. Hmm. And also, you're never actually in the moment or being real to people hmm. because you, you've got to keep this distance. So I'm sitting outside having this pity party and saying to God, you picked the wrong bloke here. I mean, I'm a pastor, I'm a counsellor in the church. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not cutting the mustard. I'm, I'm just not up to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever heard God talk to you? Mm-hmm. Well, impression. Impression, yeah. Well, I, I got Charlton Heston God, hmm. you know, the Moses on the on the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I am just and I am holy and I am righteous. And I'm going, well, that's not helping me one little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I got the Paul Hogan God. It was like he hit me in the back of the head with a, a wet fish. He said, 
it's because I'm just and righteous and faithful that you can trust me. Mm. And so, the first time I actually got that, and that, that, that changed the way I saw things. It really did. It, it, it healed a, a brokenness inside of me. So let me see if I'm getting this right. So all of us, unfortunately, sin. Yeah. And we should confess our sins and pray that the Lord helps us grow and overcome different sins. But we can focus on how we're struggling and think, ah, oh, Mike, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm redeemable. I'm an imposter. Is yeah. that kind of it? And oh, so, you, so you just give up and then the devil wins. Definitely. I mean, and that's what he wants to do. He wants you to get focused on the negative, not on yeah. the positive. Yeah. Not the fact that you're growing and you're getting better, but the yeah. fact that you stumbled. And my mother, you said to me, if you, if you focus on the light, if you walk towards the light, the shadows will fall behind you. Behind mm. you. Don't look at where you fail. Mm. Look at the light. And what I find with people, you know, when I share the gospel now, I share it. I'm, I'm not embarrassed by it because he's my best friend. He mm. wants the best for you. Yeah, he does. And he's not going to abandon you. Never. Never. He's faithful. Man, he's faithful. He's faithful. Mm-hmm. I've preached in churches and I've, I've, I've taught in churches. and I spent two years teaching Romans, mm-hmm. much to the chagrin of some of the people I know. <laughs> but two years teaching Romans, and I just opened my eyes up to stuff. You go, you know, we, we come at Christianity as a religion, and it's not a religion. No. Mm-hmm. And we come at it as a, as a self-improvement program. Mm-hmm. By religion, you mean do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. Yeah, uh, something where when it's a, really a relationship. Mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I look at myself. I, I don't know why my wife loves me. I just mm. accept she does. <laughs> right, right. I look at my kids, and I don't know why they love me. I can't put prove it, but they I just do. accept that they do. Mm-hmm. I look at my sister, same thing. And you go, if I can do that with the people around me. There was one thing I, I so, want to say. This. So, so let me just finish your thought. If you can yeah. do that with the people around you, then why can't you accept that the Lord accepts you? Is that where you're going with that? Once I accepted that I was accepted, I can actually, Lord? yeah, I can actually show that to other people. Oh, okay. You can only give what you've got. That's right. And and for for well, for, I won't speak for you, but for me, and I'm, I know it's true for you too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> my, my mother was God with skin on. Mm. Um, not because she was perfect, mm. not because she didn't have her issues or whatever else, but whenever you looked at her, her love shone through, mm. and anyone who ever knew her would see that. Mm. And I used to think I disappointed her, mm. so I had that concept that I'd probably disappoint God too. Mm. Now, where I got that from, God only knows, but he had to take it out because I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, but when you finally had that revelation... Yeah, the that lights God, went on. Yeah, that God looks at you the same way your mother looked at you. Yes. Yep. And even better. Although mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine. Yeah. yeah. So it's been the last probably eight, ten years where, or maybe a little bit longer than that, where being a Christian hasn't been a drag. Wow. I was a reverent at one stage. Not irreverent, irreverent <laughs> at one stage uh, because I was working with, with street people and they mm-hmm. needed um, pastoral care. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a fake. Uh, I went through Bible college. I went through two Bible colleges, and I felt like a fake. I was working in a church, and I felt like a fake. Mm. Because until you can be authentic, mm. and you can't be until God shows you, mm. Um, mm. wherever you go, what you've got's going to come with you. Mm. Yep. Now that used to be a bit of a trauma for me because mm. I had a lot of um, negative stuff inside me, but it's not anymore. Mm. Um, and I've seen God do. Wonderful things in amazing mm. ways. 
And, you know, he's faithful mm-hmm. and he's just. And it doesn't matter where you are at any stage, he's going to meet mm-hmm. you. So it sounds like you're in a much better place these days. Oh, yes. The yeah. Lord's not through with you yet. No. He's not through with any of us. <laughs> but I'm also not worried about going home. I, I used to. I think I'm going to get to the, the gates of heaven and so Peter's going to go, oh, hold on, what are you doing here? <laughs> Let's check your ticket. And now it's, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not, that's great. It's, it is. It's good. I mean, I, I I really enjoy my Christianity, and I enjoy my Christian friends and my non-Christian friends and all the people God loves. And so, helping people. Yeah, I do. I like helping people. Yeah. Dale Cocaine, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Eric Skadabo, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> And D.K. Locke, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you so much for inviting us yeah. and inviting us together. That's been a little bit delightful. Yeah, it's been great hearing the yeah. brother and sister yeah. banter. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Well, that was part three of Eric Scadabo's three-part conversation with brother and sister Dale Cocaine and D.K. Locke. As we heard today, we focused on Dale's story and the battles he's gone through as a Christian and feeling like he wasn't good enough. Also, we heard about his struggle with imposter syndrome. That is, a feeling that he's a fraud and doesn't belong in a position in ministry. Unfortunately, this feeling can creep up on anyone in ministry from time to time, especially if they're a perfectionist. But I think the best advice is what Dale and Dee's mother told them. If we walk towards the light, the shadows fall behind us. In other words, we need to focus on Jesus and not on our failings. When we sin, we need to confess our sins to the Lord and He will forgive us. But our focus doesn't stay there. Our focus should be on the light of Jesus. And then the shadows, or our failings, are put behind us and we can move forward in victory. So even if the devil tries to make us feel like a fraud, we know our God is faithful and He will never leave us or forsake us. If you'd like to pray with someone about this or anything that is troubling your heart at the moment, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we'd love to pray for you on that number. 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for this three-part conversation with brother and sister Dale Kakane and DK Locke. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. All the big-name performers would come and perform on the Gold Coast or just south of the Gold Coast at Twin Towns or Seagulls, just south of the border in northern New South Wales. But they would always have their visit to the studios at 4GG. So I've got a autograph album that's full of lots of famous people's autographs. You know, celebrities, the renown of, say, a Tom Jones... Vision's own Neil Johnson will join us to go down memory lane and share his life journey with us. We'll find out what led him into Christian radio next time. The Story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. 